It's time for this week's Uplift. Three ordinary guys that want you to find the freedom that is available by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. So sit back and enjoy Uplift, brought to you by the Fulcrum Center. Visit our site at thefulcrumcenter.org. I got a question for you guys tonight. Do you think it is easy or difficult to understand God? What do you think? Uh, it's a trick question. It is a trick question. <laughs> I'm setting you up. <laughs> the pastor's setting us up. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. It's, it can, of course, it's extremely difficult because he is so incomprehensible. But at the same time, he has given us some things to make it very easy to understand him. And, you know, Jesus was questioned one time, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, you know the scriptures, you know what it says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. First one comes from Deuteronomy, the second one comes from Leviticus. They come from the law. But he then asked, who's my neighbor? And that went into the whole parable of the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. But we say that, and it really is simple, if you ask me, to love God and love each other. Love God and love people. But we complicate it. And I've been pondering, are we complicating it because we are trying to understand God or are we complicating it because we're trying to be like God? Because the one person who tried to be like God, yeah, he got in a lot of trouble. Mm. <laughs> still is. It was, he still is in a lot of trouble. You're right. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Are, first, I guess two questions, two-part question. Is love simple? And do we not understand it because of our human nature or because are we trying to be somebody we're not or what do you guys think? I think we could go for three hours and not scratch <laughs> the surface. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, since Robert's smart, I'm going to just throw in my two cents because he's got at least a dollar. <laughs> uh, and and not that he needs time to compile his thoughts, but I'll give him time anyway. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think we mess it up because we, we do all those things. You know, number one, we 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 try to understand God be, just like we try to understand people because, you know, we were born into this world of people. And so as we grow, we study people and we don't really know it. But, you know, imagine like you guys are both fathers. So you had children young children, what do they do? They watch you, they study you. And, you know, of course, you know, a one-year-old uh, or a year and a half old, whatever that, you know, they don't, you know, they, they got a lot to learn in life. But the one thing that they know by instinct is they study you, they watch you. And, you know, like, it's always a funny thing that a lot of people joke, like, oh, we got to watch what we say around our kids because our kids listen to us and our, you know, they'll mimic us and all these things. So from a very young age, we are taught to study and watch uh, and mimic other people. So we do the same thing with God. Like we try to figure out God. Mm -hmm. We try to figure out who he is and what he's about and all those sorts of things. And then, you know, the other thing you said, Phil, was something like act like God or, or, or I forget exactly how you said it uh, or try to be God try or something. God, yeah. Well, we do. I, I think all of us do it every day, whether or not we, we realize it or not. But we try to take control over situations. Mm -hmm. And we try to control and we try to, to uh, execute our thoughts over situations, our experiences, our knowledge, our wisdom, and that sort of thing without consulting God or making sure that what our knowledge or our wisdom is, is from God. Um, I think to some degree, I think everybody does that every day. 
because we all have a little bit of pride in us and, and we all have a lot of self faith and faith in, in self and in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think those, those things are all true. So I think we're guilty of all that. And then, you know, from a love standpoint, you know, it, it, it's pretty simple in scripture, you know, all throughout scripture and especially in the new Testament, you know, like right, right before Jesus is, um, you know, taken away to be, you know, tried and, and um, crucified, you know, he gives us instructions on love and what is God's kingdom and what is love. And, you know, it's real simple. You know, he said, you know, love one another as yourself and love God with all your heart. And, um, you know, that means what is love? And we could look up the, d- the definition. We could look up the official definitions of love, but basically it's to, to care for one another. Well, that's real easy to say, you know, if you if you love your your mother or your father or your wife or your husband or something, if if you love them, you love them and that's pretty simple. But man, what about the guy who cut you off in traffic? Mm-hmm. Uh what about that person at work that stabbed you in the back or lied to you? Uh what about that IRS agent who's trying to track you down to to make you pay the back taxes? Uh, you know, all these people, that that guy at, at the uh, football game that was yelling and swearing and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, you're supposed to love these people. And, you know, God recently talked to me a lot about love because I've been asking him, you know, God, like, what does this mean in terms of your, of everything, but especially your kingdom principles and how do you, how are we supposed to operate? And the answer he's always I feel like he's always been providing me here lately is you're supposed to love everybody, including your worst, what you perceive as your worst enemies. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, that's where we fall off. Mm-hmm. That's where we, you know, fall away from being like Jesus because Jesus loved his enemies. Yes. Jesus was fully aware of everything that took place. Judas, uh, you know, Judas, right when he betrayed Jesus, he still loved him. Mm -hmm. That's tough. That's my two cents. I'm going to let Robert throw his dollar in. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, that is, there's so much going on in my head right now. I'm just sitting here going, wow, there's there's so many places. I mean, love is a kingdom principle. And according to Christ, it is what all the law and the prophets hang upon. And so I, I first had this thought of there, there are really two types of attributes. If you study systematic theology, there are two types of attributes that God has. He has natural attributes and moral attributes. We always talk about we want to be like God, but that that doesn't mean we can share the natural attributes. The natural attributes we will never share. Those are the, you know, he's omnipresent, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. We can't possibly understand him in those things. We we have no idea what it is to be. Those are what separate him as creator. And because he is the only one who's creator, no other being in the entire universe shares natural att- attributes. He's the only one. So we can't. We can't understand that. Uh, even the angels can't understand that. No being in the universe is on that level. Uh, but the other attributes, the moral attributes, um, those are what we are supposed to understand. We are supposed to be reflecting that. And one of those moral attributes is love, that concern for each other. And so I think it, it's supposed to be simple. But I think because of sin... It because of our corruption, we have developed, we have invented ways to corrupt it, to to say everything that it's not right, and so and so therefore it becomes complex. Now we have to define what love is in our world, right? Like, well, what is love? What are you referring to? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And on top of that, then we have language that has miscommunication, especially the English language. Wow, it's just so vague. Nobody knows what you're talking about half the time, anyway, right? So. I could go to my wife and say I love her. I could go to my son and say I love him. I could go to my dog and say, hey, Belle, I love you. And it's all different. Mm-hmm. It's all different types. It's all different. You know, I could go to the Lord and say I love him. All the same word, but different concepts. 
in context of how I use it. So in some sense, it's supposed to be simple. In other sense, it's it's complicated based on, you know, how we see it in our life. It is a moral attribute. We should be reflecting this. I think Jesus has an expectation that we reflect this. But I think humanity has a history of failing at this. Uh, even Adam and Eve fail at this, right? So... So even as a kingdom principle for the perfect people who were created, they failed, right? So if you look at the roles of men and women, right? Uh, men and women are different. Uh, I know our society likes to pretend that the only thing different about it is is whether we choose it's different. And I'm telling you, God has made us different at the very chromosome level. Every chromosome, every cell in, in my body is a man, right? And then the same thing with women. Every cell in my wife's body is a chromosome that speaks to her that she's a woman right mm -hmm. and it completely makes us different people it's dna it's literally code writing that god wrote this code in us that we are different and how we express love is differently based on whether we're men or women and yet all of it's correct just different and we see failures of that with adam and eve so like eve fails at showing love by not caring for her husband correctly so she offers him something that's not going to help him right and she so she offers him something that she already partook in that was not good he, uh, adam fails at loving eve by not doing the manly thing which would be protect his wife why he says nothing i have no idea uh both of them fail at loving god yeah by simply not obeying and so even the perfect people on earth the ones who had no sin sin was found in them by simply failing at this law of love <laughs> like they just they just failed and and i think that it breaks god's heart every time he sees that and i think it it you know it, it shows by their lack of love and their lack of understanding it just wow it shows how tragic events can be when we don't love correctly Mm -hmm. And and I think so we see that repeated every generation. And it just becomes more and more corrupt. And so so now what does Jesus tell us? Well, love, it's still about love. God even demonstrates the greatest form of this, right? He tells us in Romans 5 8, he says that he demonstrates his love to us, that while we are sinners, he dies. Yeah. He chooses to love us in a way that doesn't re technically require anything on our part. It literally is he's extending love whether we're going to love him back or not. Mm -hmm. And so it's in that sense, it is um, what you would say almost like uh, that there's a song called Reckless Love, right? And, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's, it's that reckless attitude. Love has a recklessness about it if it's true love you're willing to uh, extend yourself, you're willing to put yourself out there without any requirements on the other person. You're going to choose to love them anyway. And so that's, so there's a, a, a love like that. That's where you start to see God's love in situations. Uh, some of the closest ways we see that on earth, I think, are in marriage. Uh, e even the parental relationship is not, is not like a marriage relationship. Yeah. Marriage relationship, you're going to choose to love your spouse, you know, regardless of whether they technically love you back. You you've chosen to love somebody, right? And so so I think there's there's these kind of things. But all the when we think about this, God builds everything off of this principle. You know, he even says, God so loved the world that he gave. Everything stems out of this moral attribute. Of love you know if we i was just telling chad this the other day if we can live knowing that we are loved by god i believe it would change so much for us but too many people go through life believing that god loves them but not living as if god loves them and mm -hmm. by that i mean let your attitude show that god loves you you know, we beat ourselves up when we make mistakes, for one thing. He's forgiven our mistakes. 
um, we act as if we have to, to do, you know, uh, James chapter two, faith without deeds is dead, is not saying do the deeds to prove you have faith. It's the faith will prove, I mean, the deeds will prove, I guess I, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I don't know how to say it. You don't have to do the deeds to show that you have faith. The fact that you have faith, the deeds will come and prove that you have faith. So, but we look at it as, well, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. And, and I hear so often, well, I hope I've done enough or I hope God's not mad at me. I hope Mm -hmm. I get in. What? Come on, people. You are loved by God. You Mm -hmm. have been redeemed by his own flesh and blood. You, you are loved. And when we, if we live that and we know that and we understand that, then we start to live a different life. Mm. It's a kingdom principle. Like you said, it, it's, it's a foundational principle. Mm-hmm. And something Robert just said a minute ago, really just it, it something clicked there. Robert com- said that in a marriage covenant, we have chosen to love our spouse, whether they agreed to love us or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Think about that from a from a God's kingdom standpoint and how He operates. Mm. God does God not have that same covenant with us? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people does God love? You know that absolutely do not love Him back. Mm-hmm. So that in that way, the marriage covenant, the the covenant. The, the agreement we've made with our spouse is very, very similar. Obviously, it's not the same, but it's very similar to God's covenant to us. You know, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I just yeah. recently read Hosea yesterday. Mm-hmm. I read it and mm-hmm. I'm just reading. I'm thinking, man, God, I don't want to use the word hate, but God was so angry with them and and you know you're not my people no mercy but then he turns it right around says and in that day when you were called not my people you shall be called sons of the living god he just brings it all back because he loves and he won't stop loving and you know no matter how much your spouse might make you mad you can choose to leave or you can choose to love through Mm -hmm. it all and god chooses to love through it all well here's the thing about god too so you've got God's love, but you have his judgment through to his holiness. Okay. It's, it's separate things, you know, the, mm-hmm. and, and God loves us, but he's also holy. So there right. has to be, there has to be judgment as part of his holiness, but there's also love right there with it. And that I'm not judgment up. came from his love. And right you know, in judging his son for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Mm-hmm. That is the judgment upon us that Christ took for us. And think about King David. Okay. God loved King David in spite of his affair with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And and when he sent, what was his name? Uriah. Uzziah. Uzziah. Okay, Uzziah. Her husband, when when King David then tried to cover up the fact that he slept with her and that she was pregnant with his child, then King David sends the poor guy into into the front line to get killed and gets him killed. And God still loves King David in spite of that. But what does God also do? God judges. God judged him and he sent Nathan to him. You know, he sends Nathan to him and says, here's what's going to happen. And David, you know, David's sitting there and saying, yep, I did it. And God knows I did it. And he knew he had him. But so what's God do? God, God pours out judgment. But then once that judgment is done and there's an atonement of sorts, a type of atonement, let's say, yeah, he said you yeah. won't die. Right, you won't die. That's the grace. And then here comes Solomon. <laughs> so it's incredible. It's it, we can't we can't figure this out. Like, 
As he wants forgiveness has taken place, see, God's not, he's not holding it against David. See, this is the proof he doesn't hold it against him anymore. Right. 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 Like, so, right. Exactly. So, see, that's like all his, all those moral attributes working together. When they're all working together, we, this is what we see. And the reason we can't understand it a lot of times is because we think of one attribute. Well, if God, if you love, right? We always point out one attribute. Like, God, if you would love this, you know, if you love, well, then why, why would you do this? Well, God, if you were truly just, you would do this. Like, we, we start talking about one attribute that we expect to see. When in reality, God is has every every one of those moral attributes operating at the same time. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't just have that love. He has holiness, and he has righteousness, and he has justice, and he has mercy, and he has grace. And, he, and all of them are happening at the same time. We have a tendency to just put up one and, and think we're doing great, right? Like, you know, I, well, I really love today. Boy, that's... You know, chalk one up for Robert Johnson. Look at how I love that person today, right? And then like, you missed out. You missed out on like righteousness and yeah. public humility, right? Humility would have been a good one to have there, yeah. right? Or something like this, right? And so like we have a tendency to almost express one while forgetting the others. God has all of them. So when you see like situations happening in scripture, this is what it looks like to have all the moral attributes as the Lord working at the same time. Hmm. And that's where we, that's where we struggle because we always hold up this one and, and people always do that too. Like uh, they'll always, as far as I can tell, we always do this as people, we, we go, you know, we want God to answer something based on a moral attribute that we're holding up, right? Like, hmm. well, God, I've been wronged. I want your justice. Yeah. Well, God, I want your forgiveness. Right? And so we, we hold up one of these things, with, with but ignore the rest. And it's like, well, understand God's operating all of those. And so you see God like reminding people of all of these attributes, like Israel expressing to the Lord, we can't wait, Lord, till you come and judge all these evil people. And God's like, well, yeah, but when I come, I'm going to judge you first. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait a second. Because <laughs> we forget like. All of those attributes are in effect, and that includes us as well. And so, you know, like like Christ on the cross, we it, it's it's a stumbling block to those who don't understand the Lord. Right. Why? Because they can't understand God killing His Son. They can't understand justice, love, grace, and mercy all working together, and what it looks like. Well, it looks like Jesus on the cross. Right. And right. so like, so, you know, when all those things happen together. And so, so these, these principles that we see out of God now, obviously, right. Lo- love is a, a principle of the kingdom. It's definitely something we need to get right. Uh, but we do have a tendency to overplay one moral attribute for this, you know, and toss another one aside, right? Like, so, uh, you know, we, we've got to understand that God holds all of them together at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I like what you said, because, you know, Jesus said, you know, the world will do this because they have not known me or the Father. They can't know because they won't accept, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're looking with their physical eyes. They won't look at the, the they can't accept that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon these people and change them and lead and direct them. And it's going to be God living in them. And they can't accept that. So they don't know them. So essentially they're blind and they're, some of them are never going to know because they are blind, but he came to heal blindness. He healed blind people. He, they can't hear, but he healed deaf people mm-hmm. and he can heal us if we just, I mean, it's easy for me. I believe for the last, I don't know, 42 years not everybody can say that you know it's but god has told me to love the blind people too well and i and i think it i think the reality is it takes you know as part of that spiritual growth you know yeah yeah okay so you're you're growing one way or the other if if you're a a non-believer you're Mm -hmm. growing in the wrong direction right you're getting more and more corrupt right well, the more corrupt we get, the the more skewed ideas of love become. 
right i mean this is just the way this is the way it's going to be right this is why this is why like the church would accept homosexuality because they're skewing ideas of love when in reality it's it's love corrupted right we we assume moral qualities cannot be corrupted mm-hmm. like no you can corrupt those too right like you can corrupt justice mm-hmm. like it, it, you can have an you can have a sense of justice but it's not correct like the way you act it out because we're corrupt the only one who can give pure justice is god himself because he has no corruption in him same thing with like love the only way we can actually experience pure true love without corruption is through god himself mm-hmm. and so if we don't allow god to transform us in those qualities if we don't uh, if we don't walk with him and grow in him towards him we will only become more corrupt in those things and so what you have is you have a lot of corruption that's trying to voice what these things are, but they really honestly don't know what they are. They think they know what they are, mm-hmm. but without God's help, it's just a corrupt idea of it. And so, you know, you've got, you see, so you got a bunch of Eves who are defending why they gave the fruit to Adam and why they should keep giving the fruit to Adam. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not our fault, right? Like, and, and then you got a bunch of Adams who are defending their, you know, their right to not have to protect, right? Well, Eve said, you know, this, right? You know, so like you have, but it's all corrupt ideas. In reality, all of it's a fail. And so it's it's like we need God and his Holy Spirit if he does not transform the way we think. Then we will not love correctly. We will not do any of the moral attributes correct in a correct way. So even so, so like, again, that question, you know, is you know, love should be simple. But in a corrupt world, it gets cloudy and confused and corrupts. And without the Holy Spirit, see, that's where the Holy Spirit clears it up for us, mm-hmm. where he can actually teach us what Jesus said we should be, which is to love God and to love each other. Right. And right. so we, we, don't, we won't do that correctly without the Holy Spirit's help. So let me ask you this question. Let's say you got a couple who's been married 50 years and neither one of them's a believer how do Mm -hmm. they love one another Mm. (laughs) well okay okay now let's think about this yeah god gave love to this world in many ways but it started with adam and eve okay so though this world is broken and though we may not choose to believe in god we still carry the shadow of all the things that God is about. Yeah. And we Good. we can't possibly live in this world without I mean the fact that that human beings uh exist on this planet even though they don't believe in God they're here because of God. Mm-hmm. So they can actually they can absolutely take Robert Robert is using the term moral attributes. And so they're you know they care about each other. These two people care about one another and they have the shadow or the remnant of love in of, of what God means. But I'll, I'll take it a step further, Phil. I was at a wedding ceremony uh, not too awful long ago. The couple, there was nothing, there was, there was nothing about the covenant of God, God's covenant of marriage in the ceremony. Okay. okay, it was basically a what would you want to call it a civil union, uh, yeah. a civil marriage, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so the vows that they said to one another was basically just they read each other poems and said, We, I love you and you love me, you know. I don't want to make this into a Barney song, <laughs> just thinking that it's just the one who doesn't have kids, <laughs> but. But so they, you know, they care about one another and they said they love each other and all that stuff. And I'm sure that they do, but there's no God in it. So there's no godly love. Right. Okay. And you know what? I think you, you were coming real close to saying it, but you didn't say it, at least in my mind. And that is we were created in the image of God and that Mm -hmm. image includes love. Right. So great answer. Whether we like it or not, we show all those moral attributes. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And everybody, everybody yeah. who's expressing it's it's always funny to me because everybody who expresses, you know, no, they they fight so hard not to express mm-hmm. moral attributes because that means you're responsible to the Lord. Because you can't have morals without God. And everybody who's fighting against that saying, no, we don't have morals. It's like every single person has these morals. In some way, they reflect these morals mm-hmm. because of, of that image. You cannot do away with that image. And it's going to be there. And the reality is, at some point, everybody's reflecting that. All right? I mean, if, if I went to a professor and that professor said, hey, morals are relative. You don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. your truth is your truth. Well, then every person who ever goes to that professor, and, and I mean they need to do this. Every person who goes into that class needs to go up to that professor, just look at that professor in the face and say, I have a truth. And you're saying that my truth is okay, right? And he's saying, yeah, okay, then here's my truth. I no longer have to come to your class, and I get an A. I don't have to take one test. I don't have to take one quiz. Because the truth is, I've already learned what I need to learn. And you have to accept that as my truth. And then if he does anything, that professor, he or she, if, if they do anything to say, well, no, I'm still going to grade you. Well, then there's a higher authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the statement they just made is false. Right. Mm-hmm. And the higher authority is probably going to be their authority, right? They're going to. And so then you have to ask the question, well, then why do I need to listen to your authority? Why is there authority at all? Where does it come from? From society. Who's to say you should have authority over me? Yeah. Right. Like, so there's, you know, there's just the whole concept of authority and moral attributes is it's just when you when people say there are no attributes or no morals or no none of these things then they're actually in a self-defeating system because they're going to be representing this right mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know somebody who says well there's no morals right and you punch them in the face and steal their money and they go hey wait you can't do that well whoa are you expressing a moral <laughs> like you know be careful about you know because the reality is like we all have those morals we just only usually express them when we feel the injustice of a broken one. Mm-hmm. And then we go, well, why do I even feel that way? Well, you feel that way because it's it's already put there by God. And what is one of those more? That love quality. Why do we express love? Why is love even? Why do unbelievers feel the need to get married at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. What what marriage is a biblical concept. Yeah. Has no under there's no one if God does not exist, marriage makes no sense. Yeah. So why would people express the need for that all? Because there's an expression of love in it and there's and God designed it. And whether we like it or not, we feel that pull towards that. And that's just part of how God designed it. It's a love quality. These are these just these spiritual kingdom principles that exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I asked God not too awful long ago, maybe a month or two ago. I said, God, explain this to me. And I'm not going to use this person's name because we're on YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube, and I don't want to get it kicked off. But think, think. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said, Phil, but that's I said okay. he's talking about me. No, no, no. No, Phil, no, Phil, Phil, Bliss, Phil Bliss isn't in the algorithm. No. So, oh, so okay. thinking, yeah. So now you'll see what I'm where I'm going with this, and then you'll be like, no, that's not me. So the guy, the guy who was a dictator of Germany in the 1930s and 40s. Okay. 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 And I'll I'm not going to say old. his name. So <laughs> So think about this. To to Robert's point, what did this guy do in the bunker in his last day or two days of his life or whatever, whichever the case was? He married a woman. He married he married his wife. Oh, I didn't and know that. Yes. And I won't mention her name either. I don't think she her name would get us kicked off of YouTube, but but uh think about that. Okay. The most I mean, slaughtered millions of Jews. I forget how many millions of Jews. Was there six million that died in the 30s and 40s at the hand of this person? So think about that. One of the most vile, evil men who ever walked the earth, slaughtered millions of God's people, 
he married his wife like two days, be the day before or two days before he met his end, however he met his end. That's, that's incredible. And I asked, you know, I said, God, and I asked this question. Now, this is controversial, but I asked God, I said, God, did you love him? In spite of him murdering, whatever the number was, six million Jews, your people. And God said, yes, I love all my children. That's what I feel like God said to me. I'll tell you a revelation I came to as I was thinking about this. Because Jesus says, now think about what Jesus says. He says, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought, and he says, do good to them who spitefully use you. And so I started talking to the Lord about that one day. And I said, Lord, does that mean you love the devil? Because you can't tell me to love my enemies and then be hypocritical in your in your world where you would say you don't love the devil god loves the god loves lucifer he created that angel and he loves his creation <laughs> he does not love the corruption of his creation right and so what happened is lucifer becomes the worst version of himself that he could possibly become mm-hmm and and does god still love him yes but it breaks god's heart mm -hmm. to see what he has become that was never the intention but free will opens the door for that choice of evil and lucifer chose evil the reality is like unfortunately and there's a, probably a topic we could talk about like angels being saved or not but as far as i can tell angels cannot be saved and so he's, he made an eternal choice when he walked away from the Lord. But God said, love your enemies. Why? What does that mean? God loves his enemies. It also came to the revelation that I realized that not all conflicts can be worked out. Hmm. Not, all, not all relationships can be reconciled. Because it's going to take two to reconcile. Hmm. But forgiveness can always take place. Mm-hmm. And so you have a situation where, you know, God has a relationship that will not ever be reconciled. And that's one between him and Lucifer. And it cannot be reconciled. It will remain in conflict. And, and so you look at that situation because of the way God designed the world and he designed the universe. And why is it designed with free will in mind? Because love is a major kingdom principle that everything hangs on yeah free will is an offshoot of love i i can't go up to my wife and say honey i'm gonna force you to love me because i know that's what real love is so i'm gonna grab you by the hair i'm gonna drag you off to my cave and i know i can make you love me you can love this guy right and like that just doesn't work because I can drag her off to the cave. I can change her location. I can change how she, but that doesn't mean she's going to love me. That doesn't mean her heart will be for me. And that's the issue that God has dealt with, with his creation. He can do everything he can possibly do to set up a winning situation. And his creation could still lose, not because of God, not because of what he's done, but because of the choice we make not to love hmm. mm -hmm. and so everything hangs on it everything hangs on this and so you know satan made a choice not to love and it was an eternal one doesn't mean that god doesn't love mm -hmm. right wow. but and that, so that's that's the situation right and so now what does the lord tell us well love your enemies mm. that's hard yeah yeah, I'm still, I'm still stuck on the guy who cut me off. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, you know, and you know, for some people they might say, oh, "I just blow that off." Well, okay, but for me that's hard, and it's something that God is working with me on to to love that person, even though I want to pull in front of them, stop their car, and and yell at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
because they could have caused an accident. But so we all have difficulties when it comes to love and they may be different than for one another. But when we do have these difficulties and we see someone who has a difficulty, but we're really good at it, we got to understand we've got difficulties too. And we need to love that person through their difficulties. Yeah. Well, the love of God. Take the plank out of your eye. Yeah. Parable. The love of God doesn't have any attachments, right? So like, no, there's no conditions on it. And anytime, think about what, what that means then anytime. And that, and this is hard. I'm not saying I have, I fully understand this because I promise you, I'm not the guy that loves like I need to. I, I fail at this every day. But I believe God's telling us if we're truly going to love like he loves, there can be no conditions on it. Mm, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Now we say we agree with that, but what that means is I know, but I don't always do it. <laughs> the next time that you're complaining to the Lord about your wife. Yep. And I do. Are you loving her without <laughs> condition? Right? No, you're absolutely and right. The next time that guy cuts you off, yeah. well, you're only going to love him if on the condition he doesn't cut you yeah, off. Yeah, right? exactly. You're absolutely like, right. So that there's a there's a requirement when Jesus tells us that, but like it's every time we put a condition on it, like it's a corrupt form of it. It's not yeah. the real thing. It's like right. we, we've messed it up. <laughs> the things that I know I should do or should not do, these things I do. Yeah. So from a practical, here's a question. So from a practical standpoint, are there steps to this? Okay, so let's 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 take let's walk through a little practical exercise here. Because I think this is important. Because okay, so let's say you have a disagreement with someone in your family, whatever. Let's say that words are said, there's a disagreement, and there's kind of a bit of a parting of the ways. So are there steps that you can take to get back to loving someone? Is there a, like a renouncing of what happened? And is there a um, releasing of a grudge and that sort of thing? Are there practical steps that we take that lead us back to loving someone who, you know, we had a falling out with? Let's take it a step further and say somebody that we, let's say that there's somebody that you consider your enemy, that it's so bad, you know, uh, and an ex, an ex-spouse, um, you know, a, an old former boss, whatever, that you hold a grudge against, that, that you consider an enemy. It's worse than just having a falling out with a family or friend mem- uh, a friend, that you consider an enemy are there steps, biblical, let's say biblical steps, and maybe this is a homework assignment, maybe we don't know the answer to this, but I think it's important. Are there steps that we take? Do we renounce the the words that were said? Do we, you know, ask for forgiveness for ourselves? Do we, do we, you know, ask for forgiveness and and truly repent of having a grudge? And then that leads us to loving. Let's go deeper than that because... Let, let's go to let's go to some really vicious things that have happened. What about believers who have had um, people who've come into their home and kill their spouse, yeah. kill their children, kidnap people from their family, yeah. do things viciously to them? What about sexual abuse? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what about what about like does God expect love there as well? He expects forgiveness, and that's the first step, Chad. You you don't have any other steps until you have forgiveness. Right. So so he he expects you to love them eventually, but there's got to be forgiveness and and, and those things yeah, first. Think, You're not. I think love there's a qualification there too. Like I mean, yeah, like I'm I'm total agreement, Phil. I think you got to have forgiveness. Forgiveness is really. For the person who has been wronged, it's going to set them free. Exactly. Because yeah. until that forgiveness takes place, that person's still going to control you. Mm-hmm. You're still thinking about them. You're still right. So that forgiveness is really a gift from God mm-hmm. to set you free. Mm-hmm. 
So that forgiveness, but I, I think it's a spiritual decision first. I think it's, I think you decide to forgive and then your feelings line up with it eventually. Yeah. I think you make a decision to forgive. Like you, you have to tell the Lord, I'm choosing to forgive, even though I may not feel that way. Yeah. And then eventually I think your feelings line up with that. It's a spiritual choice, but I think there's also qualifications. I can love somebody but that doesn't mean I continue to let them hurt me. Oh, true. Now, like when Jesus was telling Peter, like you forgive somebody, no matter how many times they wrong you. It doesn't mean you can't have healthy boundaries. Right? Like think about what the Lord does with the enemy, right? The Lord does with Satan. Well, Satan's not allowed to just continue to walk around heaven and do whatever he wants to do. Right. Right. right? Just because God loves. Right. It's like we sometimes make that mistake as humans. We're, well, God loves me, so I'm going to sin, and it won't it won't matter because God loves me, right? So, and so we make that mistake like no consequences, no boundaries, no, no, no and that's not the case. No, no, love doesn't mean that there's a lack of discipline, and it doesn't mean there may be a lack of boundaries. If someone continually steals from you, you can get you can have forgiveness, and you can love them. But it doesn't mean you leave them with your valuables. Right. Right. And so there's there's some understanding. It's kind of like a person who's been abused their whole life. Um, that doesn't mean you leave them with an abuser, especially if their life's in danger. Right. So there's there's healthy boundaries. What did God do? He actually kicked the devil out of heaven. Mm -hmm. The devil only comes before the Lord when the Lord calls him to give an account. But the relationship changed. Notice that. So it's still love. God still loves. But the the nature of that relationship changed based on decisions that were made. So there's definitely steps that can take place that can, I think, bring people back into mm -hmm. love and bring people back. And I think you can see that broken marriages can be restored, right? But... But it changes the relationship. Exactly. And yeah. so, so there's, you know, you just got to know like those, a change in the relationship or consequences of something that happened doesn't mean a lack of love. It just means, you know, it has, it has right. changed. And, and that's okay. You know, um, <clears throat> like for my, my ex-wife, for example, we will never have the same relationship we had, but there has been forgiveness and there is um, no more animosity. So it's it's a broken relationship that will not be restored to the way it was, but there's still love in there and forgiveness. So it's okay too. It's, you know, you're, it's a very good point because love doesn't mean that you become best friends again. Forgiveness doesn't mean you become best friends again. It's okay to have, let's call it a broken relationship, but still have love for that person. Yeah. I think I think God's will is that reconciliation would take place. Like bringing everything sure. back to harmony would be God's will. But that doesn't always necessarily happen. And so forgiveness is kind of the, the step that is a must. That's why Jesus tells us we have to forgive. He does. He never tells us reconciliation has to take place. He actually gives steps if reconciliation cannot take place, what that looks like. Like he tells us that in Matthew 18. But forgiveness is always required. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and I think that's, and I think that's part of love. If you're going to truly love somebody, you're going to be willing to forgive. And please understand, for those who are watching, those who are here, there's some terrible things, real, true life, terrible, vicious things that happen in life. Oh, yeah. And so we're not downplaying that. Absolutely. We're not saying that somehow that hasn't happened or even justifying what happened. Right. We are saying God's standard is love. And there may be steps that God's going to move on your heart over time to even get to that place to be willing to get there to, to forgive. But it may take steps. And so yeah. I do think there are steps to that. But I do think God's ultimate standard and will, it is to love, ultimately to reconcile. 
But if reconciliation cannot take place for one reason or another, forgiveness is a requirement. Absolutely. Well, guys, we're coming up on 50 minutes now. It's it was uh, a good conversation. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that long either. It was it was really good, good conversation tonight. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to say real quick for those who are watching, you know, you won't see this on if you're listening on the podcast, but we're using a new recording, um, recording program, and I'm quite happy with it. I don't know about you guys. I think it's a little bit better quality uh, as far as the video, at least what I'm seeing. We'll see how mm -hmm. the video comes out, but uh, I'm pretty happy with it. We're trying to modernize. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, we're we're right up there. We're, we know what we're doing, right? We're. Yeah, and and you can do things like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and then you can do this. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're having too much fun now. <laughs> well we'll have to find the mic drop one phil yeah I, oh yeah that's a good one yeah and, and then we need the graphic of a scoreboard here because robert said earlier scored one for robert and you know yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> we have to, i'm we sure want to be doing that yeah i'm sure it's yeah, out we'll, there we'll have to do the graphics on the bottom like the score you know like for when you're watching a football game and they have the, the yeah. score at the bottom and <laughs> How many timeouts are left? Start and all doing that. a tally, right? Yeah, I'll look into yeah. that. <laughs> oh man! All right, guys. Well, um, I'm not going to be here in two weeks, but um, I will be here next week. Very good. Well, all great right. talking to you tonight. Yeah, yeah, it was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, I think it's good, and hopefully, it helps somebody. Yeah, every once in a while we, we record one that I have to listen to it two or three times to just to let it all sink in. I think this is going to be one of those. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Good teaching. Yep. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. Bye.